0: Hey, all,
1: this is Glenn Kirshner, and you're listening to Mueller, She Wrote.
2: So to be clear, Mr.
0: Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs.
1: That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, our position is.
0: No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist.
2: Hello, and welcome to Mueller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., Allison Gill, and we have a big show for you today, including a pretty great fantasy indictment league, uh, a really good bit of sabotage. We have some news on Mike Pompeo. We have an unavoidable outcome for the oranges of the Trump-Russia probe and some news about a right-wing Mike Flynn unmasking conspiracy theory that has now been totally debunked by a report that Jason Leopold from BuzzFeed was able to obtain through a FOIA request. Very cool stuff. We have a lot to get to, so let's jump in with just the facts. All right, first up, as I promised from Jason Leopold at BuzzFeed News, a Justice Department probe found that members of the Obama administration did not seek to reveal the identity of Michael Flynn for political purposes or other inappropriate reasons. That is from a newly disclosed report. The document details the results of a months-long investigation into the so-called unmasking of Mike Flynn, who we know briefly served as national security advisor to then-President Donald Trump before he was fired in February of 2017, in the wake of the revelation that he had lied about phone conversations he held with Russia's ambassador Kislyak. So that was fun. Republicans later accused officials in the Obama administration of using their positions to reveal anonymized names in classified documents known in the intelligence community as unmasking. And they did that, uh, according to Republicans and far right-wing people, they did that in order to target individuals in Trump's orbit. (laughs) In May 2020, Trump's Attorney General Bill Barr ordered an investigation. Into the practice of unmasking. That review, conducted by John Bash, at the time U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Texas, he was finished with that report the following September, September of 2020, without finding any evidence of wrongdoing. And of course, Barr never released that report. Although Bash's conclusions, including his decision not to prosecute anyone, were first reported in late 2020, the report itself did not previously uh, get out to the public. The 52 page document, which has been classified top secret, was obtained by BuzzFeed News in response to a FOIA request lawsuit and has been shared here for the first time in its entirety. This is from BuzzFeed News and Jason Leopold. The probe was one of several ordered by Barr, scrutinizing the oranges of the federal investigations into Trump-Russia. On Tuesday, as we know, a federal grand jury acquitted a Democratic lawyer who'd been charged with lying to the FBI in one of those probes. That was the one overseen by special prosecutor appointed by Bill Barr, John Durham who should have never been appointed special counsel because, according to the rules, special counsels have to be appointed from outside the government. And as we know, Durham was working for the government when he was appointed. Now, in his case, in this investigation, Bash employed a team of two prosecutors, three FBI agents and one FBI analyst to review unmasking requests made by the National Security Agency, the Central Intelligence Agency and the FBI between March 1st, 2016 and January 31st, 2017, and to conduct interviews with 20 government employees involved in intelligence briefings. So he examined whether anyone in the Obama administration had improper motives when seeking to reveal the true identities of U.S. citizens, including Mike Flynn, whose names were not disclosed in classified intelligence reports. Now, Bash, who left the Justice Department in October of 2020, found no wrongdoing, no such activity at all. Quote, My review has uncovered no evidence that senior executive branch officials sought the disclosure of the identities of U.S. individuals in disseminated intelligence reports for political purposes or other inappropriate reasons during the 2016 presidential election period or the ensuing presidential transition period. That's what the report says. This was never released. Leopold had to go get it with a FOIA request. A central focus of the investigation was the leak showing that Flynn had been in communications with then-Russian ambassador Sergei Kislyak prior to Trump's inauguration and whether Flynn's involvement was revealed through the unmasking request from a federal government official. That was the right-wing thing, right? The deep state at the CIA and the NSA and the FBI, they unmasked Flynn's name, and that's how it even got out that he was talking to Kislyak, and that's why there was this unfounded investigation, blah, blah, blah. But Bash's review of unmasked intelligence reports about the calls found that the FBI did not, in fact, disseminate any that contained Flynn's information and that a single unmasked report that did contain Flynn's information did not describe the calls between him and Kislyak. Quote, for that reason, the public disclosure of the communications could not have resulted from an unmasking request. Sorry. Intriguingly, the prosecutor did find that the FBI shared transcripts of the relevant communications outside the bureau without masking Flynn's name, but notes that he did not investigate those incidents any further because evaluating that dissemination and determining how the information was provided to the media is beyond the scope of this review. Bash's report contains no information about who shared those transcripts and who received them. Although Bash writes that he had not found a justification to conduct a criminal investigation into anyone who was involved in the unmasking process, he says he was troubled by how easy it is for political appointees of the incumbent administration to obtain non-public information about individuals associated with a presidential campaign or a transition team. Quote, there exists a significant potential for misuse of such information, misuse that could be difficult to detect. Although we didn't find any here. His report recommends that the intelligence community should consider implementing certain prophylactic safeguards for unmasking requests that relate to presidential campaigns or transitions, including a more demanding substantive standard for granting those requests, which, you know, this didn't happen here, but just in case in the future. Special notification requirements, perhaps, and a centralized approval process for the future. And yes, you heard that right, Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman was acquitted Tuesday of lying to the FBI in the first trial of special counsel John Durham's more than three-year investigation into the oranges of the Trump-Russia investigation. The verdict is a major defeat for Durham and his Justice Department prosecutors who have spent, as I said, over three years looking for wrongdoing in the Trump-Russia probe, only to come up with a single 1001 charge that they lost in court over. He claimed Sussman lied during a 2016 meeting with Jim Baker in which he passed a tip to the FBI about Donald Trump and Russia. That was the Alphabank server communicating with the Trump Tower server. And as Charlie Savage writes for The Times, some of the most explosive Durham filings themselves have proved to be misleading or tangential to the case. The indictment of Mr. Sussman selectively quoted from emails among the researchers who developed the Alphabank suspicions, fostering an impression that they did not believe their own analysis. But the full emails include passages in which the researchers expressed enthusiastic belief in their final handiwork. You just left those out. Moreover, the material seemed extraneous to a mere false statement indictment, because Sussman was not part of those conversations anyway. Indeed, the judge ruled nearly all the evidence inadmissible at the trial. In a pretrial filing in February, prosecutors added a few ambiguous sentences about separate concerns the researchers developed regarding data, suggesting the Russian smartphones had been connected to sensitive networks, including Trump Tower and the White House. Signaling those out, conservative news media erupted in a furor, inaccurately informing readers that Durham had evidence that the Clinton campaign paid to spy on the network of the Trump White House, even though there was no Clinton campaign when the Trump White House was happening. Durham's filing had not actually said that. The campaign did not pay the cybersecurity researchers, and the White House network data they had sifted through for signs of possible Russian infiltration came from Barack Obama's presidency. Durham disavowed responsibility for misinterpreted facts. Whatever his motives, Charlie Savage writes, Durham's investigation has demonstrably functioned as a kind of funhouse mirror image of aspects of the work of Robert Mueller, the special counsel in the Russia investigation. He's just trying to be a Bob. All right, and get this, this story, (laughs) I didn't even know what to make of the headline when I read it, but Donald Trump's former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has been ordered to appear in a Spanish court to explain a possible U.S. government plot to kidnap and assassinate WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. That's ABC Spain reporting, citing legal sources close to the case. Yahoo News broke it, broke this story of the alleged 2017 plot last September, reporting that Trump's then-CIA director Pompeo wanted revenge after WikiLeaks published a massive trove of sensitive CIA hacking tools. They were seeing blood, an ex-Trump national security official told Yahoo. Separately, Spain's national court has been probing a Spanish security firm that may have spied on Assange for the CIA while providing security for the Ecuadorian embassy in London. National High Court Judge Santiago Pedraz agreed to summon Pompeo, and former US counterintelligence official William Evanina as witnesses to explain whether the plot was drawn up at all, right? Did you have a plot to kidnap and assassinate Julian Assange? They must appear in June and can testify via video conference. Pompeo has not yet commented on this ruling. All right, we're going to take a quick, quick break, and then we'll be right back with sabotage. Stay with us. Hi everybody, it's AG from The Daily Beans. Hey, this is Kimberly Johnson, host of the Start Me Up podcast. Hi, it's Frangela from The Final Word and Idiot of the Week podcast. Hi, this is Jody Hamilton of the From the Bunker podcast. Hi, it's Mariah. And Steve from, from How, How We Win. Win. And we are joining forces to support the How We Win Fund. The midterms are coming and the best way we can fight back against the Republicans is to support Democrats in key battleground states. Our democracy is under attack, but we don't agonize. We, we organize. organize. Yes, we do. Together, we can protect and expand our democratic majority this November. We are so
0: close to a Cina mansion-proof majority in the Senate. Take them out. Join the MSW Media family of podcasts and support the races that need us the most by donating to Swing Left's National Impact Fund.
2: Just one donation goes directly to all of Swing Left's top races. A GOP stoking hate, peddling lies, and suppressing our vote means we need everyone to step up to protect Voting voting rights. Civil rights. Abortion rights. The environment. Constitutional gender equality. The government, our institutions. All the things. Do it, we beat Trumpism before, and together we will make history again. So go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win to donate what you can, share this with your friends and family, and let's show the GOP that the grassroots persistence is here to stay.
0: This is how we win.
2: Welcome back, it's time for Sabotage. Okay, this is fun. This is breaking news as of Friday, June 3rd, several close allies of Steve Bannon have been subpoenaed to testify before a New York State grand jury investigating his fundraising for a private border wall effort called We Build the Wall. And that's according to people familiar with the investigation talking to CNN. The subpoenas were sent to several witnesses in recent weeks requiring them to appear and provide testimony for the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation. Among those who received subpoenas are people in Bannon's immediate circle, according to one of the sources familiar with the matter. The subpoenas are the clearest indication that the Manhattan DA's criminal investigation into Bannon's fundraising efforts is intensifying and could lead to possible charges against the former President Donald Trump's one-time advisor. The district attorney's office launched a criminal investigation into Bannon's We Build the Wall crowd fundraising activities early last year after Trump pardoned Bannon on, f- on federal fraud charges relating to the same alleged scheme. Presidential pardons do not apply to state investigations. Bannon is also facing federal contempt of Congress charges for failing to comply with a subpoena from the House Committee investigating January 6th, who has pleaded not guilty. When asked about the grand jury subpoenas, Bannon's attorney Robert Costello told CNN, I am unaware of these matters. Well, you're kind of a shitty lawyer. Federal prosecutors with the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York previously charged Bannon and three others. This was federal. Three others and Bannon. Remember when they arrested him? The boat cops, the the, <laughs> the post office police got him on the boat. On the yacht. That was Guo, the like, uh, yacht funded by Guo Wang Wei, Who's tied with Jolo. You know that whole situation. But anyway, that was the Southern District of New York. They alleged that uh, Bannon and his three friends defrauded donors in the border wall effort. They raised more than $25 million and spent it on themselves. And Bannon was charged with diverting more than a million bucks to pay a co-conspirator and cover hundreds of thousands of dollars in personal expenses. Prosecutors alleged that the donors, including some in New York, were falsely told that the money contributed would go toward the construction of a wall on the southern border. Manhattan prosecutors subpoenaed bank records and quietly worked on the investigation over the past year. This is now we're back in Manhattan. DA's office, we're out of the federal. So they've subpoenaed bank records. They've been working for over a year while they were also investigating Trump and the Trump organization and his real estate business. But the district attorney's office has deferred a charging decision on Bannon until federal prosecutors conclude their case against the three of his co-defendants who are not pardoned. That's according to sources. So he's waiting for the federal Southern District of New York case on the three remaining guys in the We Build the Wall scheme to finish before Manhattan DA continues with this. In April, two of Bannon's alleged co-conspirators in the border wall effort, Colfage and Botolotto, pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Colfage also pled guilty to two counts of filing false tax returns and one count of wire fraud in connection with filing a false tax return. Tim Shea, the fourth man charged in the fundraising effort, is on trial in federal court. An attorney for Colfage declined to comment on whether his client had been subpoenaed as part of the state-level probe. Attorneys for uh, Boldolato and Shea did not respond to CNN's request for comment. Manhattan prosecutors are expected to make a charging decision after that trial concludes, and the grand jury subpoenas are an indication they're moving closer to that decision. Since Bannon was charged, but the federal case was never brought to a conclusion— Lawyers familiar with the issue say he would not have double jeopardy grounds to challenge any possible state charges. He also cannot be pardoned by a president for state charges, and I seriously doubt a New York governor will pardon him. And with that, it is time for the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm
1: going to be indicted!
2: No, it is going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! I'm going Hold it, they can't. It's gonna be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm gonna be indicted. Hey, everybody, give yourself five points if you had Pete Navarro on your fantasy team this week. The Trump advisor was arrested today, Friday, on two counts of contempt of Congress. He was arrested getting on a plane, attempting to travel to Tennessee, apparently, and he was arraigned in federal court where he ran his mouth. His indictment was filed under seal until he could be arrested to prevent him from fleeing or destroying evidence, but the feds did not seek pretrial detention for Navarro. The conditions of his release are standard for a contempt charge. No international travel, no guns, don't break the law, no drugs. Navarro still took umbrage. And he had to be told to shut up twice by the judge, because he would not stop running his mouth. The judge also raised the possibility the Department of Justice could charge him further. The judge also warned Navarro that every time he speaks, he could be putting himself at risk, probably anticipating any upcoming media appearances, like his recent two stints on the Ari Melber show, where he admitted to participating in the coup. And Ari Melber was like, you know, you can, you have the right to remain silent. And you and you're, you know, he was like, you're arguing these contempt charges. You wouldn't show up and talk to the committee, but you're sitting here telling me everything. And on television, you you realize that, that you, you're waiving your executive privilege, any claim you have to it. But He just wouldn't shut up. He just would not stop talking. And even though Navarro is representing himself, pro se, he complained to the court that the Department of Justice didn't even contact a lawyer about arresting him. They just picked him up at the airport. That's unconstitutional. I'm being mistreated. Violence inherent in the system. I'm being repressed. He faces two contempt counts. One for his failure to produce papers. One for his failure to produce testimony. And uh, there's a mandatory 30-day prison sentence for each of those counts. So he faces minimum 60 days in prison if he's convicted. With a maximum of a year, two years. One for one year for each count. They could be served concurrently. That's true. He could get... Found guilty on both charges, 30 days, 30 days, and they might, instead of having him serve those 30-day sentences consecutively, they might have him serve them concurrently. But I'm not sure how that works with minimums. I'll have to ask a lawyer. But he also faces a maximum fine of $200,000. The House had voted in April to refer Navarro to the Justice Department for not complying with the select committee's February 9th subpoena. Navarro claimed he was unable to cooperate because former Trump asserted executive privilege in the matter. The committee had countered those arguments by citing that many of the topics it wanted to discuss he had already written about in his book. Given all that info, I'm gonna keep Bannon on my team uh, in the DA's office in Manhattan. Gates, Matt Gates, and L.A. Key down in Florida. Along, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a rando Florida Republican to my list. So maybe a, a ghost candidate, some straw candidate, some scheme some sort of uh you know campaign finance violation i'm gonna add rudy i'm have if he's been on my team forever it's it's been it's been over a year since he was raided come on guys scavino dan scavino i think he might we might see a contempt of congress indictment for dan uh i think superseding trump organization for falsifying those documents those financial statements could happen from the manhattan da's office um We'll go with Victoria Tonesing. She was raided. Her phones were taken along with Rudy's back in April of last year. Uh, I'm going to add a Proud Boys seditious conspiracy superseding indictment. And you know what? Jeffrey Clark. Jeffrey Clark for contempt. And that's my draft. Um, thank you very much for listening to Muller. She Wrote. Also out today, a new episode of the MSW Book Club. I am covering Allow Me to Retort by Ellie Mistal. I'll be back tomorrow on The Beans. Oh, and and I'm doing uh, I'm doing quick quick hit videos on the Midas Touch YouTube channel. You can check those out too. Um, just breaking down, you know, complex legal documents and stuff like that. And thanks to Midas Touch for that. Um, they are an MSW Media partner, and I appreciate them very much. Uh, so until tomorrow, when I'm back on the beans, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, and vote blue over Q. I've been A.G., and this is Mueller She Wrote.
1: Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right. The boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it.
0: Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom.
1: Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: MSW Media.
0: Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct.